the Spiritual Brew Pub Podcast will help you navigate spiritually after or during a belief shift, deconstruction, or crisis of faith. Not to try to convert you to a particular destination, but give you the resources you need to evaluate your future belief or unbelief and help you follow the religious historical evidence wherever it leads. I'm your host, Michael Camp, a recovering conservative evangelical, the operative word being recovering, sharing my journey in helping others rebuild faith or a reasoned philosophy of life. So grab your brew of choice and learn how fact-based history helps us both critique and rethink faith. Why do we call it a brew pub? Because we like to hang out in them, at least metaphorically. A pub is a great place to let your hair down, share your true thoughts about your journey, and discuss things with an open mind in a non-judgmental environment. Welcome, everyone, to the Spiritual Brew Pub podcast. I'm your host, Michael Camp. The Spiritual Brew Pub is a safe haven for anyone who is questioning their fundamentalist or evangelical faith and practice, whether you are still in the movement or still in church or you've come out. We help people come to terms with their religious experience by looking at both ancient and contemporary history and scholarship and help people find a truly inclusive and love-affirming path forward. One of the things I really love to do uh, is interview really interesting people who have fascinating stories. And as we are still in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, virtual meetings have become the new normal. And we're going to have one right now with a very special guest, Wendy Francisco. Wendy is a musician, an artist, a writer, an editor, an animal lover, a mother, and a self-described love heretic who was part of this 1970s and 80s Jesus movement. Um, Wendy, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Yeah, you, it's great to have you here. Um, she has some very, uh, Wendy's got some very interesting stories about uh, deconstructing out of evangelical Christianity and finding a beautiful faith expression absent an abusive theology. Uh, so we're going to have a fun conversation, and um, but before we get started, I wanted to share a little bit of a background. Uh, Wendy and I met uh, years ago uh, when I found her website. It was called Mythbusters. I love that name, Wendy. <laughs> uh, and uh, she had some articles about uh, divorce and how the church's legalistic uh, stance on it was not even biblical. And um, I was really fascinated to hear that she was married to Don Francisco, who uh, was a musician from the Jesus Movement era that I remembered. And, um, and then, Wendy, you were kind enough to endorse my second book, Craft Brew Jesus, with some very kind and illuminating words. And um, lately, I'm really enjoying the Facebook group called Love Heretic that uh, we'll, t we'll talk about later. But to start, let's just uh, ask a question. Uh, how did you get involved with evangelical Christianity? And tell us a little bit about what it was like to be in the Jesus movement in the 70s and 80s. I was uh, introduced to Jesus <laughs> by, oh, that's just a dynamic question. Because as a little kid, I, w I was taken to church by my family. But I guess you could say I was, quote, born again or whatever in high school, uh, thanks to Youth for Christ. Oh, okay. And I spent, I spent quite a few years in Youth for Christ, working for Youth for Christ and doing clubs and skits and being with kids. And so my, my initial first 10 years of being in the Jesus movement, um, I was in the non-charismatic um, sector of it. And uh, it was a great way for kid to grow up. I mean, we, we all know that that there are <laughs> some aspects of the theology that, um, you know, we're going to plant some seeds of difficulty. <laughs> but, uh, but beyond that, you know, um, it really was quite a wonderful uh, life, lifestyle for a college kid. I traveled and I had wonderful people all around me and I was very hungry for the spiritual discussion um, 
and I couldn't get enough of it. Right. Yeah, I had a similar experience. Uh, I found um, there were a lot of good things in my you know, like uh, youth group experience and in college and university Christian fellowship. Uh, but then there was a lot of bag, a lot of baggage too uh, that came. <clears throat> but yeah, that's interesting. Um, so so then you uh, wh where did you go to college? Uh, uh, did you uh, were you involved with cr uh, Christian fellowship there? Yeah, I um, well, I went to San Diego State University, and okay. the um, the San Diego Youth for Christ office was only blocks from SDSU. So my college my college years were full of fun. <laughs> right. Um, so, what was it like to be in the the Jesus movement of the seventies and eighties? You started to uh, uh, get involved in that, and became a musician, et cetera. Uh, what was that what was that like well i think that we have to remember that early on there uh there there was a, a you know a feeling of innocence about being in those contexts and uh, you know there it was it was it was spiritual there was a lot of focus on on prayer and discussion and um and then as it moved into the 80s, you know, things did begin to change because of the appearance of the moral majority and things like that. And, and it began to double down a little bit on um, fundamentalism. And I, I reacted very strongly against uh, the creationism and the, uh, the, you know, the stuff like moral majority. I, to me, I thought, this is as far away from Jesus as you can get. And it's going to, it's going to damage the name Jesus. Like, like nothing the world has ever seen. I, I, I really reacted against it because it was the spirit of it was bullying. Oh, you know? yeah. And was, yeah. And you can't, you can't bully people into truth. You right. can't. It, it's right. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't like that. And, um, but I, I had a lot of wonderful experiences and I, and, you know, of course this was, uh, this was during the time of, of the drug culture as well. So there was a lot of, you know, like bad people do drugs, <laughs> you know, and, you know, when you're a kid, you heard a lot of that. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It was it, I mean, I see, I think that evangelicalism reflected a greater part of the dialogue. I mean, a whole of the Western world had been sunken in, in a mechanism that was abusive so that, you know, there are definite certain aspects of the doctrine that we had in evangelicalism that were abusive, but it, it also reflected a, a staunch age of scientific mech and philosophical mechanism, you know, that, that, that limited us and, and made us feel like we needed experts to understand even the most basic parts of life. We were shut down. So in a way, I mean, I didn't know it at the time, but now it's pretty clear that evangelicalism was just reflecting that. You yeah. know, it, was a, it was a part of a greater human dialogue that it thought it had escaped, but didn't. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, I see. <clears throat> I remember, uh, that same feeling and experience, um, like just meeting, I, I was telling you earlier, I met Paul Clark, who was a, a contemporary Christian musician, him and Phil Kagi, and they came out of the drug culture. And there was this innocence. There was like, hey, you know what? I, I was trying to find meaning in my life and and uh, I got burned out on, on, on drugs or whatever. And, and I found peace and I found Jesus. And and there was that innocence and they were, those guys were not talking about, you know, the political aspects that the moral majority brought up later on. They weren't, you know, yeah. you know, staunchly anti-abortion. They weren't, they weren't, they were talking about just right. um, finding uh, uh, a peace in your life and finding meaning and finding uh, a divine source and et cetera. So that was, and that was that yes. was the part about it. I really was attracted to, and um, but 
but again, then again, you know, there's that baggage that that's that's there as well. So um, uh, it sounds like you had a, a similar uh, 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 experience. Did you get into charismatic Christianity after that that stage? I did. <laughs> I I just am laughing because it I uh, the uh, the experience of me. <laughs> learning to speak in tongues <laughs> well it was really something else because i was such a hard head and you know uh just i'd literally been a part of john MacArthur's church for a very short time <laughs> you know i i couldn't stay there but it, it was that mindset you know it was very um it was a it was an odd combination of the rejection of science while, while, while looking at Christianity through the same kind of, kind of rationalism or what, you know, inerrancy doctrines and things like that, it, it was just odd. So to break out of that into some of the things that the charismatic church was, was asking, that was very hard for me. I had, a, you know, a science family and a thick skull, you know, yeah, but, right. uh, but that aside, Michael, I'm so glad I, I was there and I, and there, there will always be an aspect of, of a charismatic to me because I had the wonderful opportunity through music to travel all over the world. And in doing so, I really saw every miracle that the New Testament describes. And, and I, I didn't just see it on stages that could be staged. I mean, saw things with people I knew in my living room. And, and I, I'm glad I had the experience because, you know, it, it just showed me that the universe is a bigger place than what I can understand. So very thankful. Right, for that. right. So, uh, yeah, I got in, uh, I, I kind of started off the same as you, you know, university, uh, the, American Baptist Church, just you know, fairly uh, straightforward, and then, and then got into charismatic uh, uh, Christianity as well. Uh, uh, on on, on California, we were uh, went to a lot of vineyard uh, you know, meetings, and, and uh, later in, on in, on the East Coast, I was in a vineyard church, etc. So I understand all that that experience yeah. and there is a there's that type of you know you see some things and you have some experiences that you think that are there are real and they you know make a connection with you you see something that it looks like there's a miracle going on and there's no reason not to believe it and but on the other hand i saw some really weird things that are like you know off the charts and also a lot of oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of you know you know, oh, if you didn't get healed, there's something wrong with you, and you know, you you got sin in your life. No, yeah. Too. So, well, I joke. I joke now that I'm not sure that the healers could keep up with all the illness bestowed on people through that theology. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> like, wow, you have a lot of work to do making making all those people that are getting sick over this theology. Well. And of course, it in um, it's it's interesting because in um, we we all had the foundation of eternal conscious torment, and and we had substitutionary theology in there, and it made a mess of anything that might have been divine or supernatural. It, it was all tied into um validating that theology and uh, it, it yeah it just scrambled it made made it a mess and yeah, so that's that's, that's the baggage whether, yeah that was the bad <clears throat> yeah it and it was a baggage in both the evangelical and charismatic yes mm -hmm. circles yep. and 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 it's older than that i mean it came from augustine it came from it didn't it doesn't go back to the earliest origins of Christendom and actually in part I learned that from your book yeah. <laughs> which is that's why that's why I endorse your book so much and you probably laugh at me at how often I tag your name because we, we just were never told that we it, before you got into we got into the charismatic stuff we we're in the evangelical stuff we prided ourselves on on you know 
our knowledge, but <laughs> we, we didn't really even have a summary of church history because it it really confronts a lot of the doctrines of evangelicalism. And um, yeah, that's definitely it, true. It makes a mess of the personality of God, is what it does. Right. So. Yeah, we. Yeah, that was one the biggest eye-opening thing for me is when you go and look at history. And you go, wait a minute, we never learned this in church, how the Bible was compiled. Where did the substitutionary <laughs> atonement theory come from? Did the, was yeah. the Bible considered an errant throughout history, you know, even by the yes. first Christians, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, right. so what about you? When, when did you start questioning some of these, these uh, legalistic or um you know abusive or harmful beliefs in evangelicalism what what, what started it, you, you down that road my my first um so my yeah my brain is scrambling to tr try to figure out which which point to jump in at you know because um there's there's kind of this thing that a lot of evangelicals or ex-evangelicals were say that when they were in evangelicals and they didn't feel like like they were necessarily strongly promoting a hell doctrine <laughs> you know but I, I guess I guess the best time to to highlight would be one day I I I, I had been married to Don just a year or two and um we went to this um, small church and the, and the, and the pastor gave a sermon about women. And, um, I had been, I'd been married before. I'd, I'd been through a lot of things, long story, too long for podcasts. Um, but when he spoke, it was, it was, it was the classic, uh, position of women in evangelical yeah. theology and I reacted so strongly. I went home and I probably cried for a week. Oh <laughs> and my gosh. I've been Christian for a long time, but I mean, you know, on and off, not for a whole week. But I told I told Don, I can't go back there and I can't take my daughter back there. And I feel bad because I feel like it's just one more, you know, <laughs> rebellious thing that Wendy does. You know where and 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 she's gonna leave another church and and all oh, I was just in so much turmoil and this caused me to do something that I had never done. I went and got a whole bunch of study books and concordances and I put them all over the floor and I sat down cross-legged and I started digging. I felt God telling me, "You need to dig into every verse in the New Testament that has anything to do with women." And I was looking in the Greek, and you know. When it comes to theology, I was not a rocket scientist or anything, but even I could see what was done to our modern translations versus what was in the Greek as, as, as well as I could understand it. Um, I was blown away by how obvious the agendas were, and I actually sent a modern translation sailing across the room. That's oh, what I wow. do. I make, a lot of, <laughs> I make a lot of books fly. <laughs> I fly lots of books across rooms and out windows, but anyway, I, I sat up and I thought, if they could do that to a whole gender in the name of control, they could easily whip up hell. And that's it. It's funny because in a, in a way, the whole stack of cards fell that day, but in another right. way, took a couple of decades for it to work out, you know, work and to yeah. rebuild my life. And I was still, you know, traveling in all those contexts. It just took a long time to yeah. rebuild my life out of that. So, yeah, that, that, I resonate with that. Uh, the kind of, it's very similar. There was, there, there was like milestones maybe that, um, you know, you, you have a breakthrough, you, you did that study and research and all of a sudden it opened your mind to, Hey, you know, if this is not the way they're describing it. And if this is not the way, then yeah. what about these other things? Let's look at these other things. And, and then the house <laughs> of cards starts to, to, yeah. to fall down and, and, uh, one by one. Yeah. And, and people get so mad and they say, Oh, Wendy, you, you, 
you've been reading too much Rob Bell, <laughs> or you, you've been, we've been watching too much Oprah. And, and so when I say, no, I had not, I hadn't read any of that or heard any of that. This came to me through scripture. And then they don't want to talk to me anymore, which is fine. <laughs> but it, it, I just see God pouring it out. It's, it's, um, it can't be yeah. explained. Any yeah, this is not just, this is millions of people finding this in all yeah. kinds of places. Right. And, and, and people find it in different ways. You could read Rob Bell and that might start you down a path. Or uh, I, I was yeah. blown away if, when I wrote my first book and it was published in 2012. Um, I, it took me like six years to write that book. So while I was writing that book, I was finding all these things out. And I was like, oh my gosh, wow. I'm, the, I'm the only one that I, you know, I, I, for a while, and then all of a sudden Rob Bell's book comes out and I'm like, oh, wow, he stole my thunder. Or, you know, it's like, this is, this is what I've been, wow. I've been writing. This is what I'm writing about. And, but then it was like, and then you, and then, and then it was like an, an onion. You go, oh, well, well, actually there's, there's th this person over here doing the same thing. They're exposing it over here and they're exposing it over here. And then before you know it, you realize we're all coming to the same conclusions. Generally, there's, yeah. there's some differences, yeah. but we're all coming to the same uh, general conclusions. And that, that must mean, you know, there's something to it here. We're not just, you know, following one person, you know, we're all, we're all, we're all looking at the, the scholarship, the original Greek, uh, uh, the, the Jewish culture, the, the history of the church, et cetera, et cetera. And we're discovering these things. Yeah, isn't that amazing? It's it's amazing. That I also found that 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 personally validating. Like um, who I am now talking to you is so different. Like you you mentioned the uh, the it was actually not a MythBusters site, but it was Don's site it, um, where we had all his music and um, yes, right. We had a MythBusters section and uh, and our stats were pulling up that. Um, that they were the most read thing. That's those articles on divorce. Pe people were just hitting those so hard. And I, at that time, I was still such an emerging evangelical that I would not sign the articles. And everybody thought Don wrote them. And I just thought, well, it has to be that way because as soon as I put my name on them, my female name on them, nobody's going to read it. And oh. I, I was so afraid. Oh, oh my goodness. I was so afraid to publish those. Oh, that was fear and dread. Because <laughs> when yeah, that's true. That. You put your name you know? on it, Wendy. You come, you're coming. Uh, it's like you come out of the closet, and then <laughs> you know. Um, so, uh, what other? Let's see. We've we've talked that you said you you've you know you were uh, the issue of women and and the way the way that they're. Um, uh, uh, discriminated against in the church and the, the, the scriptures are being misinterpreted and mistranslated. There's divorce. Um, we talked a little bit about the penal substitutionary atonement theory, which you, I mean, that's a whole subject on its own, but basically that you know, Jesus saves us from an angry God uh, in a nutshell. Right. Um, and then the doctrine of hell uh, was there, was there one um, of these, or also the inerrancy of the Bible too? Was there one or more of these that kind of that like you really t uh, ran with the most and and started to really uncover after the women uh, uh, revelation? Um, well, um, before I answer that, I just want to throw in a thought that um, you know the church really echoes the world on the woman thing. Yeah, and it's it's really odd because in the world you have equality movements, but we have we've had them in the church too, and so it's it's this odd exchange of um, of the of of religion um, making bold statements about the injustice or in inequality of of justice for women versus men, and um, it's not necessarily a church thing that, that, you know, that's not the only place women have been devalued. It's just right. not something you can cut and dry because at some points the church has led 
in that area. And, um, and, it, and in other points, in our more fundamental expressions, we've been really damaging in that area. So both things are true. I don't know, as, as far as the answer to the question, it, uh, it was very much all of a piece, like um, in a way that fractals <laughs> kind of repeat and repeat, you know, um, any one topic that you get deep enough is gonna make statements about all the other topics. Yes. And I think that's more the way it was with me that, um, uh, that they were just all interconnect interconnected and fell as one big piece. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point because you know, like you look at the women issue, and you're looking at this the original uh, language of the scriptures to you know to, to see to get some insight, and then you go, well, it's actually the Bible. Let's look at more in the Bible, and and then you yeah. you come across the that hell is mistranslated, and you know. Uh, the Jews didn't even believe in hell and, and, you know, Gehenna, yep. Gehenna was a, the garbage dump outside of Jerusalem. And there, you know, there, there's all this, uh, all the, all these things that tie together. And, and what yeah. I'm, what I'm finding is that uh, uh, there's, uh, there's a, um, there's a real violent theme in some of this uh, uh, running through all this that, uh, uh, when you when you look at the whole Bible as true, you have to accept the violence that you see in the Bible as coming from God. And so when you have to accept that, then the doctrine of hell, even though you don't talk about it very much, is a little bit easier to, to swallow. Or the, the penal substitutionary atonement theory makes a little more sense, you know, because, well, God's violent, actually, because... I just read Joshua, <laughs> right? And so yeah. it's violent sacrificial religion that's kind of like underneath a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Fascinating. Yes, it is. Yeah. So that's yeah, actually and, the, and it, go ahead. It makes us it makes us pull in like a like a like a religious black hole. It makes us pull in through fear. It it separates us from humanity and and in doing so, it separates us from our own humanity, and it makes it hard for us to accept ourselves. It it's a, something called dualism or duality, or it's a it's where your brain accepts a lot of facts as true, but internally those facts are completely inconsistent, and it sets up such instability in our brains. Um, and the, the best thing about getting out of evangelicalism and trying to find and an, more ancient views of what happened, what actually happened at the cross and whatever. Um, this cre creates a context where your brain can heal. You, you, yeah, everything comes, right. I mean, you feel it physically that the peace, just a lot of arguments go away. Um, you don't, you don't see creation as devalued and temporal, but as part of eternity, you see all the flaws that you once cast outside into the world. You, you find those again in yourself and you become a little less certain, a little more humble and a little more able to engage infinity and eternity. I mean, it's, an, it's amazingly healing. Um, just yes. simply plucking out hell. <laughs> it's just domino after domino because of that so. right yeah and then another thing that uh another one that we didn't we haven't brought up is the uh depravity of my, man the original sin doctrine and and the us versus them you know we're saved and they're not and and that just falls down too all of these things are, are connected and you talked about dualism um I like to call, uh, I call it uh, cognitive dissonance, where you have this, like yeah. you said, it doesn't make sense, but you're, you kind of like, well, I have to believe that because who am I to question it? It's in the Bible, you know? <laughs> I have to believe this because yeah. that's what the church teaches. And, and then, and, and then you, it's like, if you really sat down and tried to uh, put it all together, you go, no, this doesn't make sense. There's something wrong here. Um, but then you're, you're, you're touched on uh, what my next question was, is how has your life changed since you came to believe in a, you know, uh, this new or more loving and less legalistic view of God? Um, 
you know, uh, how you, you know, you, 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 you've decided, you realize that God uh, is not, uh, I, I call two-faced, you know, it's like, you know, he's, he's pissed off and going to send you to hell if you don't accept his son. Uh, but he's loving, he'll love you only if you, you know, jump through the right hoops. But uh, how has your life changed? How, you, how has that made a difference? You've, you've touched on some of those things. Let's, let's delve into that a little bit more. Okay. <laughs> well, it's interesting because um, two, two things kind of happen. First, you know, no, three things kind of happened. <laughs> oh, good. We, well, we like lists here. Okay. We got three oh, things. We're going to hold you to it. <laughs> Tell yeah. us the three things. Okay. So you have to be honest that deconstruction is brutal. I mean, if you're really going to deconstruct, and I... I'm probably not using the word in its most expert sense, but if you're going to separate out um, <clears throat> retributive theology, it's going to be brutal. And I, I kind of think that it's more brutal when people are older because we are so deeply invested. Um, and, and so um, it's, it's it's going to be simultaneous, uh, profound and extreme loss on every level, and at the same time, it's it's going to be wonder beyond what you ever imagined because you're. I think this is why Scripture says, "Put your hand on the plow and don't look back," because oh my gosh, <laughs> I. I, I, I knew that in a visceral kind of a way, you know, if uh, I remember feeling like God even said, Wendy, um, you'd better not look back. I mean, I'll, we'll look back together in snatches. So you are not unmade, but you, you know, you, you just need to look forward <laughs> because you, you, you realize for one thing, I mean, I'm sorry. So <laughs> I guess I maybe need to write a book on this. I don't know. Um, but you, you, you realize that you are the most, you are valuable and precious beyond what you could, could have ever imagined. And, and this is not something that you attained when you became a Christian. This is, this is your hardwired default. <laughs> it's the identity. It's who you are, who you always have been. But, but then you look back a little and you say, oh my gosh, I was holding the coats for something worse than Hitler. That's also me. That is also me. I was willing to find my identity in the eternal torment of billions of people. And your mouth goes quiet. <laughs> you, you know, and suddenly little little scriptures begin to come alive like death to self. And you know, if if you're not willing to look at that, it's just you have to, you have to die. You have to uh <laughs> it's it's brutal. That's all I can say. And and then the other brutal thing about it is that there are other aspects of your faith that you never realize or you never you maybe realized it in some <laughs> distant location in your brain, but you know, you, you also get murdered by your friends who oh, yeah. you have you yeah. have a relationship that was based on doctrine. And when you and and this is why the name I chose the name Love Heretic for that group, because I might go murder somebody and, f and find forgiveness. I knew people who killed people and found forgiveness. You might go rob a bank, you might commit adultery, you might, you know. But I'll tell you, if you make the huge mistake of thinking God's love is too big, you're out. <laughs> yeah. You are a love, you're a love heretic. You're out. We don't right. want you. And we justified for us to lie about you and, and scapegoat you on big stages and, 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 and run you down and you, and you're just aghast. And, and so not only are you struggling, um, a huge, huge amount of internal loss and your, your, your ego's head lobbed off, but you, you're, you're going through it on the outside and, and, and there are a lot of people um, deconstructing who literally can't afford financially to come out with what they're feeling. Um, they're, they're, 
it's just it's just profound what happens and and you see the politics inside evangelicalism and charismanianism i don't know there's not really a word in inside of retributive religion western religion i guess is um you see politics to a degree that you never wanted to admit you know you see people hurt you, you see mobs sent out to deplatform people's ministries you you see awful things <laughs> and and yet you're seeing all this in the light of this incredible god and you you know that you're giving all this up because you just saw the gospel and finally you know <laughs> you realize why people would die for it you know right so. yeah yeah that that's fascinating um there's a lot there what you said <laughs> Uh, yeah. I, I, it's 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 uh, a couple things. Uh, one is it's definitely brutal. It, it definitely is yeah. a. Uh, it's not an easy task. You're definitely you definitely get pushback from your family and friends. I've, I've experienced that, uh, and it hurts. And um, uh, on the other side, though, um, it's worth it. I mean, it's. In my experience, oh, yeah. it's just incredible. It's just like you oh, yeah. end up realizing, like you say, you put it as the gospel, the good news. You realize, hey, God really is good. Hey, you know, <laughs> if I take out all of this other stuff, this baggage, I'm left with this amazing paradigm that I'm precious, yes. that we're all the same. There really is equality. There really is unconditional love. And it's amazing. And uh, we don't have retributive, uh, retributive God. Uh, it just blows your mind. And, and you can just go all kinds of places in that, that realm and, and get new revelation about it. It's, it's, it's incredible. So it's worth it, yeah. but it's a tough road. I, and, the whole, and you're right about the older yeah. you get. Some people I don't think will ever change until I guess they find the, you know, find eternity. Um, but uh you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. So, uh, that, you know, you've gone through it. I've gone through it. Lots of people deconstruct and then they reconstruct some of them because go the other extreme and they just, um, throw out the baby with the bathwater and they just reject God altogether and maybe become an atheist or they become an agnostic or, you know, they leave Christianity altogether um some of us we just call it by a different name we so we say we still follow jesus but we you know i like to distinguish between uh organized religion uh and um you know uh institutional organized religion and spirituality and and real spirituality so i can see you know leaving all the religion behind the church and all these doctrines and everything and still having a, a an authentic spirituality and even uh believing in and following jesus um but you know this is a really hard uh transition to make um and some people who are listening to this podcast or, or, or maybe still in the church or still in the movement and they're trying to come to terms with some of their questions. Uh, other people who have left the church, etc. What advice would you give to people who, who are kind of like moving out or starting to question uh, uh, evangelicalism and this um, retributive religion that's, that's in there? Um, you know, uh, they're in the they're in the middle of it. What advice would you give them? Oh well, um, um, maybe a couple things. To, to thine own self be true <laughs> would probably be the first thing because um, your your heart is where God lives. The, I mean, Jesus said the kingdom is within us. You know, so. You're, you're, you're probably hearing, I mean, you're on that journey because you're hearing something. So trust yourself. And then also, I would think, give, your, give, give yourself a lot of space because um, as you were listing uh, the various ways that people respond, some become agnostic, some become atheists, some reframe uh, their Christian beliefs and still call themselves a Christian, some call themselves follower of Jesus. I think I did all of that. <laughs> I think you also described 
a lot of various phases that I went through during deconstruction, and I felt like I had to to reexamine from the outside um, all of my core beliefs that had been given to me through indoctrination, and you know, and it was very painful, um, very painful to reexamine things like divinity and just just which survived, but I didn't, it didn't survive through all of the, you know, stages that I went through. So I just think we need to give ourselves time and remember that, that, that while we go through these things, there's a, a physical, a physical thing going on in our minds. I mean, it's been proven that, that when we connect a thought, it's a physical thing, a little tiny neuron grows and, and it's waving around until it can connect with another little tiny neuron and deconstruction is like somebody reaping, re reaching into your brain and ripping billions of your neurons apart, you know, and, and those little neurons, it's amazing how, you know, I mean, they, they are really good at defining reality to you when you don't feed them a lot of indoctrination. <laughs> I mean, I think this is why Jesus said kids can see the kingdom, you know, better mm, uh, than right. us. Mm -hmm. Foolish things confound the wise. So you just need to give your literal physical brain this fabulous, mysterious, electrical thing that is built to connect you to this reality and other realities you need to give that time and you you need to enjoy observing from different perspectives and not be afraid of it um you you and it, it it's really wonderful what will what will begin to happen it is painful but um yeah i don't know i i think maybe the third and last thing would just be to listen to stories you know the stories of people going through ah, things like this right yeah. So that you can be supportive and not ever feel like you're too far out on your own, right. out of your tree. <laughs> right. So. Well, yeah, I think that's that's definitely true. Um, a couple of things that come to my mind is that, uh, uh, like you said, you know, trust yourself, uh, you know, give yourself some time. Uh, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I went yeah. through, I went through like breakthroughs and then I would get, Go, I would take, you know, two steps forward and then I would take one and a half steps back and go, oh, maybe this yeah. is wrong. And I had all these visions of, oh, <laughs> you're, 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 be, you are a heretic. You are in the new age or whatever you, all these things that come into your mind, these warnings that people told, told you, you know, you don't believe in the whole Bible. You, you know, you are in big trouble, Michael, you know, <laughs> and and, yeah. and and then give yourself some space and come back in and, and let some time go by. And the foundation for me is, um, is history. So, you know, if th there is a re reality out there, uh, history is a, is a scientific uh, method, although it's not a perfect scientific method. We don't, we can't go back and observe, but we can find out what's most probable and, and we can follow evidence. And so, uh, yeah a lot of the things that we're, we're discovering, you can trace back to historical uh, evidence. And uh, it's, it's pretty, very powerful historical evidence. So uh, it's not just people just coming out with what they want to believe because they don't want to believe in a retributive God. It's this, there's definitely some historical evidence and uh, there is the um, experience that people have that uh, the retributive religion does harm people and the restorative yeah. faith really does heal people. Um, it does. Have you, yeah. Have you heard of, uh, have you read Faith Shift by Kathy Escobar? She's in your no. neck of the woods. You should I, know her. She's in Colorado. She Look up Faith yeah. Shift. She's, uh, I, I interviewed she has, her too. Yeah, she's actually visited our, our home. And okay, so okay, I you know her, yeah. Yeah. Got her once and I saw the uh, podcast and so I'll make sure to take right. that in. Right. Yeah. And then the other on the other side, um uh it's interesting. Um uh we need to be patient with people who are deconstructing. Um they're in different stages and uh we don't want to kind of like 
you know, judge them like, oh, you know what, you haven't, you haven't evolved enough. You're still got fundamentalism in you or whatever, you know, oh, God. You know you're only no. dealing with this, but you're still, you're still have the wrong view about the LGBTQ community or whatever, you know, you yeah. kind of realize that people are in different stages and, and give them some grace. Uh, um, I'm really glad that you brought, you brought yeah, that ahead. up too, because I really feel like we, um, we have a really strong mechanism mechanisms going on of um, of of blame shifting, and if you think about it, um, the one of the problems or one of the damaging things about a retributive religion is that your um, your place of peace, your paradise, and your ego <laughs> is is sort of built on you using everybody else that is in the quote other unquote category as a mm -hmm. scapegoat mm -hmm. you, you you blame and you you see yourself as removed so it is really easy to get outside of evangelicalism and then turn right around and do the same thing to evangelicalism that you once did as an evangelical to the world and right. and like a lot and this is why you know there was a massive shift from right to left and you know i don't know uh some of the things that i saw in the politicizing of christianity in the 80s over to the right i've seen reflected in the politicizing of christianity over now onto the left and i'm not but i'm not seeing the barriers break down which to me would indicate an actual uh deconstruction of i mean and we almost have to be careful to even call this a deconstruction of religion because honestly michael it's not that um we have parked a lot of of our lower human <laughs> tendencies and mechanisms in religion and it's dangerous to blame this on religion because you actually use we can use religion as a scapegoat leave religion and take all of those bad mechanisms with oh yeah us. absolutely yeah you, to, I, I mean yeah, you, ugh, if we you can become a fundamentalist get, on the other side you just you know exactly. <laughs> you just change yeah, your terms exactly. you know i mean you yeah. can see that i mean you know like one example is like maybe a staunch atheist who's trying to convert everyone and you know mocking you if you don't believe in materialism yeah. I mean, you know you're yeah. like hey, you sound like a fundamentalist you know it's like you know so yeah you got to be very careful about that um and i i have seen that too uh uh and, and i think part of that and i think i i have a handle on why one of the reasons why that happens is because when you go through deconstruction you some sometimes you get stuck in that angry stage and if you get stuck yeah. in that angry stage then you start like attacking evangelicals as people maybe uh and and not giving them some grace um uh, have, you've lost your empathy all of a sudden because you're so angry at what the harm that's been done and i and i get that too so you, you know it's it's, yeah. it's it's like people go through stages but we, there's got to be some some people who really kind of take the lead and say, hey, this is really where the path we should be following, um, which kind of kind of leads me to my last question is, um, you know, I guess it's the two part question. You you um, uh, you call yourself maybe a love heretic, but why why do you hesitate to label yourself a progressive or a liberal Christian, or if that's if that's the case, uh, you know what you know. Well, how do you how do you uh, describe uh, where you're at right now, and and how does this? Oh, that's love, a good. You know. Yeah, it's a good question because one of the themes that I think that made love heretic different, although it makes a lot of people mad, <laughs> is that we're trying not to um, uh, politicize inclusion or include it with uh, progressive, you know, um, politics or or whatever. We're trying not to do that because. Um, we're gonna we're gonna lose inclusion just the way we lost the Jesus movement into um, you know things like moral majority and stuff like this exactly the same you know and the the reason that it happened for me because it, at first I was like yay progressive Christianity I was gonna go headlong into that you know but unfortunately I 
love to poke things with sticks. You know, anybody who knows me long enough, I've got to have the stick and I've got to be poking it into yep. things. And so I, I made the mistake of asking questions inside of progressive circles. And I was amazed at how swiftly those people turn and begin to attack my character because I had dared to ask questions. Yeah. And it was actually more swift and more fierce than anything that I had experienced in the most fundamental circles. And believe me, I've been around the world and been in a lot of churches and I, I've experienced an amazing scapegoating, you know, techniques from, from conservative Christendom, but this equaled it. It, it, it at least matched wow. it. And I didn't, I didn't only experience it personally, but I, I saw it being done left on left. I, I saw, you know, it, and, and to me, um, if, if you step back from everything conservative and progressive and step all the way back to Gerard, who, who describes humanity and scapegoating mechanisms and whatever, to me, spirituality is not going to include scapegoating mechanisms and indoctrination me mechanisms and and it's not gonna it's 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 not gonna be it's not gonna try to give the world christianity through rush limbaugh you yeah. know what i mean and so this is how i reacted in the 80s he's bull he's trying to bully people into truth well i i never saw anything like that mechanism operating on the left and it just it just seared the door door closed because i i had already spent decades just proving those kind of mechanisms with my own life i don't have a lot i'm i'm in my middle 60s i don't have the time to go through that again yeah, so right. love heretic you know people don't people say what i don't understand because we've got so much injustice in the world i say yeah we do but we're not going to solve that by this worldly mechanism we're not going to yeah. solve that by bullying people into understanding justice let's just drop all of it and try to ride these awful election times through with a spiritual discussion of inclusion and not not get it pulled into politics but let's try to focus on renewing ourselves so that we can vote and in and in individually engage politics which yeah. we do need to do but that that yeah. was kind of yeah, where that's... i had to go with it yeah, that's I like that distinction. Is like let's not use those mechanisms. That mechanism of scapegoating and and uh, bullying and 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 I think of the the phrase circle, circling firing squad that o o Obama coined. Uh, you know, we you end up you know firing at each other yourself each other because you no <laughs> one is no one is is coming coming fast enough to the right place to stand you know no justice isn't happening yeah. fast enough. nothing's happening fast enough and so you're yes. demanding things uh so yeah and then and then you're just using the same um, mechanisms that were in the church yes um, we are demanding we're literally demanding justice peace and nonviolence in the most violent terms you know and yeah and we are seeking to indoctrinate, we're, we're, I'm concerned, I'm really concerned with, um, and again, I always believe that those dialogues in the church are always a smaller, fractal kind of reflection of dialogues happening in the, in, you know, in, in the larger context of humanity. And I'm concerned about, I'm concerned about um, indoctrination in this world and loss of freedoms. And I'm, I don't, I don't really see one side or the other as a savior at this point. Mm -hmm. um, Right. I worry so, about yeah, right. I understand. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Love. Uh, if we if we could just figure out how to how to really uh, uh, love, make love the 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 savior, and 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 make me too. Yeah, you know, I agree. And really uh, learn how to do that. Um, so you mentioned Gerard. If people don't know who that is, that's Rene Gerard. I did a podcast uh, with Michael Harden about that. If you're interested in learning about Rene Gerard. He's got some amazing theory uh, of, um, I, guess, I guess he's called the Darwin of the social sciences. Uh, so he, he's really interesting and <laughs> yeah, in how that connects to what our topic is. 
And then finally, uh, last question, what do you do to practice a, a love ethic, the love ethic that you see uh, that Jesus demonstrated? Um, I think that that maybe I, I'm trying to, I don't know, I hope this is a good answer. I'm not really aware of trying to practice anything to tell you the truth. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just hoping that um, on a deeper level, I, I am what I am and that has an effect. Um, mm, right. So, it, you know, in a, with, with dualism kind of out of the way, if that's the right word, uh, value floods, value and meaning floods into everything. So it's, it's, it's going to change my outlook and how I relate to people. And, and I'm a little more forgiving of myself when I, when I do a bad job of relating to people, which I do often. Um, I, I think that um, as far as, as the things I might, I'm, I'm at more on the practicing level, maybe, you know, um, I just, just try to love what I do. I mean, my, my way of, of resistance is to, is to grow some food and buy organic and, and mm -hmm. encourage people both inside and outside of Christianity whose dialogues I agree with or who I resonate with. And um, um, maybe, you know, I do an awful lot of publishing in a small way, you know, just on, on Facebook mm -hmm. and, and heretic and um, through the websites and, um, I don't know. I, I think that we need to practice less and be, you know, like it's Accurate, take it yeah. down. Absolutely, absolutely agree with that. Yeah. And what I mean by practice is, is more like, you know, how, yeah. How do you, how do you, how you live your life? Um, you know, for me, I, I'm done with church, uh, but I, uh, I'm in a local rotary oh, club a little, and I don't know if you're familiar with the rotary, but um, they're, their motto is service over self. So we've got all kinds of, I've, I've got uh, 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 all kinds of uh, projects in the community and I'm, I'm involved with international work because I used to be a missionary. So I'm involved with international work. I can't believe, I'm telling you, I've <clears throat> been able to do more, I think, with working, partnering with other Rotarians and other NGOs, uh, aid agencies, I've been able to do more uh, part-time with this, with the Rotary organization, than I ever did full time as a missionary. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's awesome! It's I... just amazing, and, and and the reason is because people are just focused on treating people equally, serving them, and loving them. That's all. If they see a need, they want to fill it, right? And so that's what yes. they're focused on, and it's amazing. Uh, so um, that's just one example. Uh, cool. Okay. Um, We've had really good conversation here. Uh, appreciate your time. We're kind of running out of time right now. Um, but <clears throat> I want to thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, the next time I'm in uh, Colorado, I want to definitely meet you and Don. Uh, if you ever come out oh, to Seattle, if you ever come out to Seattle, definitely let me know. Um, so, okay. yeah. So, um we're going to sign off now. We want to thank everyone uh, for listening to this particular episode and getting to know Wendy some. some. And uh, uh, we hope to see you next time on the Spiritual Brew Pub. And so everyone uh, stay safe during this time and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you, everyone. The Spiritual Brew Pub Podcast will help you navigate spiritually after or during a belief shift, deconstruction, or crisis of faith. Not to try to convert you to a particular destination, but give you the resources you need to evaluate your future belief or unbelief and help you follow the religious historical evidence wherever it leads. I'm your host, Michael Camp, a recovering conservative evangelical, the operative word being recovering, sharing my journey and helping others rebuild faith or a reasoned philosophy of life. So grab your brew of choice and learn how fact-based history helps us both critique 
and rethink faith. Why do we call it a brew pub? Because we like to hang out in them, at least metaphorically. A pub is a great place to let your hair down, share your true thoughts about your journey, and discuss things with an open mind in a non-judgmental environment.